This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you. Whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives, you'll find it all here. It's easily one of the biggest stories of the year. A tell-all interview by former ESCOM CEO Andre Dereta blew the lid on allegations of corruption at ESCOM stretching all the way to the cabinet. Hours after the interview, reports emerged of a highly secret intelligence dossier detailing the operations of four powerful cartels. Speculation follows. Who's behind it? What else does it say? Well, carte blanche has a dossier and we attempt to shed a little light. Wanton corruption, unbridled criminality, misconduct and neglect. The national power utility is on its knees. ESCOM CEO Andre Dereta steps down, saying the job has become untenable. President Cyril Ramaphosa declares a state of disaster. The energy crisis is an existential threat to our economy and to the social fabric of our country. Then comes an explosive interview. We know of at least four organized crime cartels operating in Mpumalanga in ESCOM. Um, there was one particular high-level politician that was involved in this. A media frenzy follows. It's reported his allegations are based on secret intelligence reports. We've also had sight of these reports. We were also briefed in a confidential meeting. We also spent months interrogating their contents. The reports issued monthly detail an elaborate organogram. Heading the operation is a top politician. He's labeled the territorial ruler. There's a henchman, a feared murder squad, a propaganda machine, a confidant of principles, a list of high-ranking corrupt cops, and also a prominent minister linked to one of four criminal syndicates called cartels. At first glance, these revelations would sink any government. The people compiling these reports have been operating in the shadows. Now questions are being asked of them about their motives, their paymasters, and even about the legitimacy of the reports. One of the analysts behind the intelligence has agreed to talk. We can't operate when we are expected. We put the puzzle together. We can't operate actually in the limelight. Out of concern for his safety, we've made every effort to hide his identity. It's a matter of you being wiped away if you are offering any resistance. There are people seeing money only. There is no moral consideration whatsoever. I'm scared like hell. We've disguised his voice to conceal his identity. As a former national intelligence officer, he's used to living under the radar. In this project, we were tasked to work through a different channel towards the client. The client embodied by Mr. Durator. There was a deep frustration that requests directed to law enforcement and security institutions had not delivered substantial results. 
For close to a year, a team of privately funded operatives infiltrated Eskom using a network of secret informants. As the sources and contacts got better placed and better informed, we suddenly realized that we are onto something really substantial. The reports covered rackets involving bribes for jobs, sabotage, tender fraud, diesel theft, cable theft, and operations run by the so-called coal mafia, subjects we've often dealt with on carte blanche. Load shedding has been with us for more than a decade, and it seems to only be getting worse. Corruption at parastatals has been with us for more than a decade, and it certainly is getting worse. Who stands to gain from all of this? According to political analyst Dr. Nzikelelo Breakfast, that's a mystery easily solved. It's an open secret that ESCOM has been used as a center of accumulation to amass wealth. There have been people who have used both social capital and political capital, and some of those people uh, are linked to the ruling party. Do you believe ESCOM is a feeding trough for the ANC? Yes, I think it is a, a cash cow. Maybe not the whole ANC, but those people who are prominent within the ANC who are linked to ESCOM, really they do dent the image of um, the ANC. The Reuters allegations described as deliberately vague were denied by the ANC and lambasted by cabinet ministers and even the president. So that the investigative process can then commence so that all of us are then better informed. More information, claims the president, would end the speculation. But can it really be dismissed as rumor when the insider sounding the alarm is the organization's CEO? Ben Teron is a whistleblower activist. Andre faces exactly the same problem every whistleblower in the world faces. Is how much information do you share? How do you protect yourself against retaliation? When a whistleblower talks out, one of the first things the organization does is to deny, then close ranks, and the third thing they do is to accuse the whistleblower of bringing the company to disrepute. The ANC's response to the claims also met with skepticism. It's discouraging. Their responsiveness indicates a lack of seriousness in addressing the issue. You need to do something about that. You can't fold your arms. Even government itself, they have that uh, responsibility also to uncover the truth in terms of what had happened. But subsequent media reports have steadfastly avoided identifying the alleged criminals, even though many are named in the intelligence documents. And we know why. These are not the Gupta leaks. They're not the Panama Papers. Those had times, places, dates, names, hard evidence. Sure, people are mentioned here, but nothing you can prove. No dots that you can connect. They're using the word intelligence very loosely. There's a vast difference between intelligence stroke information and actual evidence. This insider said he'd talk to us as long as we kept his identity secret. He's linked to the police investigation around ESCOM. Is there anything here that is a lead that could become prosecutable? From what I'm seeing, there's absolutely nothing at this juncture 
that is prosecutable until such a time that it gets converted to actual evidence, affidavits, forensic reports, communication analysis, Section 204 statements, 252 operations in terms of the Act, until such a time that those documents are not contained in a docket. It is what it is, just information. Something we can confirm, juicy information, but currently uncorroborated. In one instance, reportedly burnt 2 million rand in cash because he didn't want to have so much hard currency on his person. I'm using these examples to, to ask the question, for a normal person, they might even say, that's just gossip. So there are many stories about it. We don't throw it away, but we don't follow it up as if it's the truth, and the only truth. In one example, you mention who's the nephew of All there is in this report is his age, he's 31, he's got a Ferrari, he's got a Porsche. His wife purportedly has a company that has contracts with Eskom. And then later in the reports, you can't find any companies of which she's a director. Do you see what I mean? I can't comment on that at the moment. That can be information hanging, which should be followed up. The end purpose is definitely not to publish rumors like that, saying that this is the truth and the solid truth. He admits to needing more time and to the information not being evidence. Yet it's this kind of detail that was included in the now infamous intelligence reports. How possible is it for you not to be used? In other words, I can tell you anything about anyone. Why do we want to fabricate information like this, where we know our contacts and ourselves are in grave danger? It went through a process of confirming that information from various different other sources, independent sources. The police insider isn't convinced. In intelligence circles, you have a scenario where you might have three independent people reporting the same thing, but the actual original source is one person. From what I've seen from that particular report, my view is that it has not been properly verified. It can't be denied that Eskom has been targeted by criminal syndicates, but without hard evidence, convictions and sentences are unlikely. That's a bitter pill for a country gripped by load shedding. Even our interview with Dr. Breakfast was interrupted but we powered on in the dark. I don't accept the argument that there is no substantive evidence in terms of what is happening with regard to the institutionalization of uh, corruption at um, ESCOM. The, the, the problem that we have is the issue of power outage that we have almost each and every day, and we have normalized that. In a sense, if we don't have hard evidence, that suits those people who want the status quo to remain. That's the indictment, isn't it? I think you've hit the nail on the head. It means that nothing must be done because there's no hard evidence. So the status quo must be perpetuated. Action could and should have been taken sooner. The police had knowledge of these reports. 
How high up does that knowledge go? Well, the National Commission is aware of it. By now, our intelligence services should have been in a position to have instituted or at least initiated covert investigations. Where are our intelligence services, like crime intelligence, the state security agency whose role it is to inform government about the domestic threats to our constitutional order and national stability? While the SAP's National Commissioner established a task team and 117 arrests have been made, these are not high-level suspects. It's also now feared that any investigation may have been blunted by Dureta's interview. All the sleeping dogs are by now wide awake, and those that were awake are more awake. What happens if no action is taken? What happens if this is just another little blimp in the road, but we carry on? This is not a blimp, this is a mountain. This country's future is dependent on ESCOM surviving. Are we sitting ducks? Anarchy is closer than we think. I'm saying that powerful people, for the wrong reasons, are mightier than we think. And that is the danger. In confronting that danger, investigations based on solid evidence will be needed. In Eskom's case, the most pressing question is, how much of what is out there is deliberately vague and how much of it is simply unknown? There's still a lot of work to be done before the allegations made in the now infamous intelligence report could lead to any arrest. Whether that work will ever be done remains to be seen. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, be sure to subscribe to Carte Blanche, the podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. While you're at it, why not rate and review us? We love hearing from our listeners.